Welcome to the My Faith Votes podcast. I'm Jason Yates, and I'm the CEO of My Faith Votes. On Palm Sunday, I was able to sit down virtually with a pastor whom I greatly respect, and that's Alan Jackson. Alan is the senior pastor of World Outreach Church in Tennessee and the founder of Alan Jackson Ministries, where his teachings are reaching across America and internationally. Alan and I have been talking quite a bit over the last couple weeks about this interesting time we find ourselves in. This season of disruption. And this week's podcast is really a continuation of those conversations. This moment is a challenge for everyone, but it's also an opportunity for the church to emerge with a strengthened and more intentional faith. Listen in to our conversations about intentional faith, and I hope you'll accept our challenge to join us on a powerful journey of 100 days of faith. I know you'll find this podcast valuable as we listen to God who's asking for our attention. Today is Palm Sunday, and you know we find ourselves in a, a really different place today. Um, we're, it's a day that for the next week, we're celebrating the life and the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But this is also a season of disruption. Um, we're doing things differently. You know, today I heard that following all of this, that businesses and organizations are going to have to think about America 2.0. And as we think about that concept of how do we do things differently, I guess the question for us as the church is, what does that look like for us, the people of faith and the people who follow Jesus Christ? How does this look like after all of this that we come out of this and we look different um, and we're leveraging this moment for a moment of good and a moment to really make an influence in our culture. And, and that's the conversation that we want to have today. I'm so excited um, and thrilled that my friend, Pastor Alan Jackson uh, from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, the senior pastor of World Outreach Church, the founder of Alan Jackson Ministries uh, that is pushing all kinds of content out on TV and radio, both throughout America and internationally. Um, Alan's a great friend of mine, and and I just want to welcome you, Alan, to join us and have a great conversation about this moment and about our faith and how we lean into our faith. You know, you and I, we've been having some good conversations in, in And I think we both agree, right, that um, this is an opportunity for us to come out with a different awareness of our faith. And so first, thanks for being here. And uh, secondly, I want you to talk about that because it's been a fascinating conversation with you about this moment in this, this time of disruption and what that could mean and what that could look like. For the church. Well, thank you, Jason. It's always good to be with you in My Faith Votes. And thank you for what you're doing in this season to make a difference across our nation. But it is, it's a season 60 days ago, I don't think any of us anticipated. And it is redirecting how we have interacted with people and how we convey our message. But I trust that we're going to come out of the other side of this in a stronger place and not diminished by it. So I choose to believe it's hopeful, but they are trying days because every day we, don't, we can't build a three-day plan, let alone a one-week plan right now. But it's exciting to see what God's doing yeah we're all we're all figuring new things out even even this technology that we're using here just to have this conversation normally we'd be doing that in person i have so appreciate your willingness to join us in this way you know you've you've written a new book i want to talk a little bit about that it's called intentional faith and i want to say this you know my faith votes we've really began because we knew 
that it was important for us to lean into our faith, that our faith, that it's integrated with all of our lives. And I think about this book that you've written, Intentional Faith, and I think it's really a guide for how we can do that and do that well. What I'd like to do is start with just this idea of faith. I mean, if you're going to have intentional faith, let's start with what is faith at all? And how how should we think about this word faith? What is it? Maybe you could talk a little bit about that, and then we can talk about the intentional side. Of Absolutely. Faith. You know, when I think faith really is the essential component in relating to God. And when our lives are, when everything is working the way we want it to, I think it's hard to bring faith into the center of our lives. We treat it as if it's an addition. We'll tolerate faith. Maybe we have a God appointment on the weekend for 90 minutes and we'll keep the appointment if the weather's nice and we don't have a better invitation. But when our lives begin to unravel, whether it's a diagnosis we never wanted to hear or a relationship challenge or if there's a pandemic that besets us and limits our lives, then all of a sudden faith becomes um, something we're far more open to. And I think that's what we're experiencing right now. It, it isn't that it's a new idea to us, but we begin to become awakened to how significant it is to have a life of faith. Because what I can do physically and what I can do you know, with just my personal strength and intellect, all of a sudden I get to the limits of that. And I want the help that comes from an almighty God. And that's where faith comes in. And yeah. so I think this season, rather than diminishing our faith, it's strengthening our faith. It really is. And I, I heard you talking the other day, and you were talking about Hebrews eleven six, And it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so that really speaks into, right, the criticality of us understanding what this thing is, faith, and how do we pursue it and pursue it well. Yeah, I think too often we confuse faith and religion. You know, religion comes to me with a set of rules. This is the kind of worship you have to do, and this is the translation of the Bible you need to read, and this is the wardrobe you should consider, and the beverage list you should focus on. But faith is really my relationship or my imagination that there is a God, and that I could be in relationship with Him. And, you know, without that, we just, there is none. So it's the beginning essential element in pleasing God. I can be religious and have no faith and be displeasing. I can have faith. I'll find different ways to express that. And so I think what we're we're desperate for in a season like this is to know there is a God. His supply chain is never interrupted. He secures our future, whether Wall Street's working or not. He watches over our health if there's a solution for the challenge, medical challenge of the day or not. So faith all of a sudden becomes far more critical than it seemed to be 60 days ago for most of us. Mm. I think a lot of us find ourselves, well, some find themselves, I should say, in a place where maybe their faith has been more in a, a thing or a what, not a who. We need to recognize that Jesus is the who. He is the the fullness of of our faith and and we need to put our loyalty on him and it's it's a daily walk with him and i think that's a lot of what you're talking about and expressing in your book intentional faith it is which i think it's even deeper than that we are hardwired we're a race of rebels it starts in genesis 2 and it runs right through the end of the book. And we have this desire to assert our independence, that we don't need help, that we don't need God, that we can be God ourselves. And I think in a season like this, we're called back to that fundamental struggle. And it reminds us that we are dependent upon God. And dependency is not a bad thing. In right. fact, it's, it's really the greatest point of strength in our life. Any place I will yield to God and cooperate with him and accept his authority in my life, I'm stronger. And I, you know, I, I know that intellectually, but to live that in my heart, I have to have consistent reminders. I feel like God's put us in time out. Yeah. You know, he's kind of set us over here on the side for a little season and said, 
if you'll listen to me, we'll come out of this disciplinary period stronger and with a whole new future. Mm. But if we come out of it and continue in my self-determined rebellion, it's not going to be so good. And, and you're right. That's what the book is about. You know, most of us have a passive faith. I'll do whatever God wants me to do. I'll go wherever God wants me to go. I'll say whatever God wants me to say. But that kind of passive faith, we'll miss the kingdom of God. We have to do it on purpose. And that's what you talk a lot about is how making decisions where you intend to do something, you intend to please God, you intend to grow further in your faith. You know, you you talked about in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where it says, set your heart on things of God. And it says, set your mind on things of God. What are some ways that we can really do that um, and understand him better, that we would be more loyal and serve him better? It's a great question. I've been a pastor for more than three decades. And I I think people in general, or the people at least that come towards church, they want to do well for God. We want to honor God. We're just not certain what to do with that. You know, we've been told go to church and don't get caught in gross public sin. And maybe you need to get baptized. But beyond that, I think we're a little bit stuck in what next looks like. And so the point of this whole book and this initiative really grew out of things I've done with the congregation over the last two or three years in saying, here's a pathway, some statements of intent. I intend to grow spiritually. You know, until you establish that, there's really little chance that it's going to happen. I intend to read through my New Testament. Until you hold the intent, We'll, we'll seldom put the discipline in place to actually make those steps. So it's just trying to identify some components that will actually help us arrive at the objectives that we've said we would like to define our future. And again, I don't find most people are resistant to that. I just think they're kind of stuck. They, they don't know what to do. You know, when Naaman went to see the prophet, all he knew is he wanted to be healed. He didn't know how to get from being sick to being whole. And the prophet gave him a pathway that he didn't expect, and it made him angry. But nevertheless, when he complied with the pathway, he got an outcome. And all I'm trying to identify, all we've done in the book is identify some classic spiritual disciplines and wrap them in some contemporary language to help us get to an outcome that'll make our future better. That's that's so good. And I think about intentional faith and and when you think about that word intentional, you really think about it's it's sort of a rearranging, right? Things are out of alignment. And how do I rearrange things so that things are in alignment, in an alignment in the way that God intends them. Talk a little bit, because we always hear, right? I mean, it's sort of, I, I've got kids at home that are in elementary and junior high, and you know, you ask them things about church and the answer is always Jesus, right? That's the right answer. Well, I think as adults, sometimes we have that same thing mm-hmm. when it's read your Bible and pray. But there's maybe something that's out of alignment, some things that need to be rearranged with that so that we get out the most out of those disciplines. Speak to that a little bit, because I know you spend a, a couple chapters in your book on that. I will. Are your kids out of school these days? <laughs> They're out of school, and we're all trying to figure it out, right? Uh, <laughs> because we're, we're learning. We haven't been homeschoolers. They're, they're attending public school. And so we're trying to figure all that out well, while mom and dad are at home and, and working. So uh, it's all fun. I know I'm not alone in that. Well, that's a catalyst for a prayer life, having your, your kids at home and you're right. homeschooling. So. Yeah. But I think the challenge, and I'm a part of it. I've been a professional Christian pastor a long time. And I really think the way we have handed this off to the to, to people has not been helpful. You know, we've created the imagination that if you'll make an appointment with God once a week and you'll keep the appointment most of the time, that you have fulfilled your obligations, you should feel really good about your relationship with the Lord. And then we've been frustrated because we don't seem to have a very vital spiritual life. Uh, once upon a time, I would go to the gym. I haven't been lately, but 
you know, if you go work out, if you go to the gym and you went once a week, even if you go once a day, we all understand that spending an hour in the gym doesn't make you healthy. It's the choices you make the other 23 hours of the day that really determine your overall health. You visit the gym just as a part of your overall expression for better health. We've got to arrive at some similar conclusion around our faith. We, we may attend church on a, with, with some commitment to that on a regular basis, but visiting church doesn't make us spiritually healthy. It's who we are the rest of our day and the rest of our lives. And I think that's where we have been a bit stuck. Uh, I have a friend, Oliver North, and he I heard him relate that to the church that when his grandchildren get to, I think it's 12 years of age, he gives them a brown box. And in the box, there's a compass and a Bible and a shotgun. shotgun. And he says, in the box are all the things you need to survive, and I will teach you how to use them. And I think that's where the church, we've fallen down a little bit. We've told people, these are things you need, but we haven't really walked with them to show them how to do it. And so the point of the book and some things we've built around it are simply to say to people, let's go do this together. I don't want to tell you what you should be or tell you how you should behave. I want to give you some practices if you'll just spend a little time starting to cultivate this and say, this is what I want to do, God will meet you. God's not hiding from us. You know, my Bible right. says Hebrews 11, you mentioned it earlier in that same chapter, it said he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mm. So that if we turn our hearts to him, he will come meet us. God is searching the earth for men and women whose hearts are turned towards him. He's not playing hide and seek with us. But to, to be honest, I just, we haven't been all that interested. We've kind of met our obligations you know, it's kind of like eating, taking your vitamins. What's the minimal daily requirement? And I want to get that much, but no more, please. And I think That's if right. we start to, to flip the script on that a little bit and say, God, I'd like to know you every day. I need your help every day. And I think this pandemic has been wonderful. That I, I start every day saying, God, I need your help today. My routine mm -hmm. won't work. And the, the ways I'm accustomed to doing ministry and interacting with my congregation and serving the people that they're not going to work today. So you help me. And I, I want more of that in my life when we walk out of this season. This is an opportunity. I love how you said God's put us in time out, right? And yes. so this is, you know, I send my kids to time out because I, I want them to think about uh, their behavior. I want them to think about what's happened and how they could have made a better choice. And I think what I hear you saying is this is an opportunity for us to really go and think and consider our behaviors. How could we have been making better choices and to intend then to do that going forward? It's a classic discipline, but we have to have a heart of repentance. We have to be willing to say, my behavior wasn't right. I need a change of direction, right? Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm confident that what has beset us, God originated. And I think he's got our attention. He's taken away so many of our distractions. The, the sports we watch, the things we would normally go and do have been peeled away. And we've been left with this big chunk of silence in our lives. Uh, makes opportunities for things like this. I, my schedule wouldn't have made this possible for me a few weeks ago. And God has said, no, we're, we're going to stop that for a little bit. And I think if we can learn the lesson in this period of discipline, we come out of it in a wonderful new place. What concerns me is if we just want to reset and go back to where we were six weeks ago. Then, you know, if you put your children in timeout because they've been misbehaving and they cooperate with the timeout and immediately upon release, they go back to their misbehavior. The next expression of discipline is going to be more harsh. And I shudder to think about what becomes of the church if we come out of this season and we revert back to where we were. I did an interview a couple of days ago with somebody in the media and, and they were listing for me the ways that Christians had taken Sunday and set it aside. The activities that had become prominent, it was somebody in New York City, and they were telling me all the things that happened in New York that didn't used to happen. And they were absolutely right. You know, we're quite comfortable with our kids 
you know, playing ball all weekend long. And as long as we keep our God appointment, we don't need to honor any day for the Lord. And I mean, in many, many, many ways, it's, it's a list far too long to the list. We had gotten really casual with the Lord. And I think he has shaken us a little bit and said, may I have your attention, please? And uh, I think we have an opportunity to kind of recalibrate. And I pray we'll choose to do that. I'm amazed. I'm really in- interested. I'm thrilled at some of the responses I see. There was a report. It was actually it was on Fox News this morning. One of the women in the church, her parents grew up in the church. She's a, she's a nurse at Vanderbilt. And they were interviewing her because there have been multiple pictures this week of nurses and doctors standing on the roof at Vanderbilt Hospital mm-hmm. praying together. And all of a sudden, Jesus is welcome in the public square again. Now, you know how hard this is. My Faith Votes was started to try to get people to integrate their faith and in being engaged in their nation and what was happening. That's right. It's not a, you know, my faith votes isn't about mobilizing people to vote. It's about mobilizing people to act on their faith, to be intentional with their faith and not just sit in churches and then do nothing with it. And Mm -hmm. so I think what my faith votes is doing and the book Intentional Faith are almost perfectly aligned. I wish we'd have thought about it earlier. But it is perfectly aligned. And and that's why I'm also excited to talk about another thing. And so to interrupt your stream of thought, but to continue it a bit. I'm so thrilled that we're able to partner with you, Alan, and what you've done through Alan Jackson Ministries in setting up 100 Days of Faith. This is a Mm. journey that we want to invite everyone who's listening and so many more to walk with us on, but more than just us, but walk with our Savior in a journey to really look at intentional faith and, and explore these disciplines, explore how we're living our lives, explore the decisions we make every day. And what, can you tell everybody who's watching this a little bit about what they can expect if they join us on the 100 Days of Faith? Sure. This really grew out of what we did with the congregation. We realized it wasn't enough to say on the weekend, this is what you can do. So we said, Let us do, let's do this together. And we built 100 Days of Faith. Uh, it'll drive just it'll drop in everybody's inbox every day. And basically, I'm going to come walk with you. Uh, we'll talk about what it means to intend to grow spiritually and what would it look like to begin to read our Bible. In fact, we'll read through the New Testament together. Uh, the in, Every email every day, I'll have the reading portion for the day. You don't have to go look it up. It'll be right there for you. We'll talk about ways to begin to pray. So we don't just wish we prayed. We'll have some actual prayers to pray. What's it mean to honor God or intend to honor God in my home or to honor God at work or the different aspects of our lives? So rather than just identify things we should do, we're going to do them together. And if we'll, the, the hope is that if we'll begin to practice over a 100-day period of time, there's enough time in there for some habit stacking that at the end of 100 days, we'll have a new routine in place. And our future will be different. So what I love about it is rather than just suggest to people what they should do or could do or might do, we get to go do it together. It's a little bit like Colonel North saying to his grandkids, you know, I'll show you how to do this. And yeah. I certainly don't know everything about it, but I've walked through this with uh, hundreds and hundreds of people. And in fact, the book came together from the people in the church and what I've seen in their lives. We tell a lot of their stories. We're going to go do this together for a hundred days. So anybody that'll sign up, you'll direct them to the right place. Uh, this be a little scary, but I'll show up in their inbox a couple, th- three or four mornings a week. And, and yeah. give them a, a little bit. We'll just kind of join hands and walk through this together. You can go to myfaithvotes.org and we'll point you to this and we'll get you set up so that, as Alan said, every morning for 100 days, you're going to get a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of teaching, and just a little bit of help 
to guide you on this journey to really take your faith. I, I mentioned at the beginning of this how we're thinking about America 2.0. Well, this is about our mm. faith 2.0, right? It's taking it that step further to reimagine who we as a church can be, to, that the church would be known differently in America because we are stepping up and being more intentional with our faith. And that's why I'm just so excited um, to offer this to everybody, this opportunity. And and certainly if if you're doing that, I encourage you to also get Alan's book, um, Intentional Faith. It's a it's a great resource and it's it's the backbone of what a hundred days of faith um, is really all about. So in this, Alan, um, you know, what are some of the really I mean, give us one or two stories that really exemplify this type of a journey is really life changing. I'm sure you talked about stories that uh, from your church. Maybe you could share one of those stories with us so that people can understand a little bit better around how this really impacts uh, a person in the direction that they're headed. Sure. Well, one of the stories I relate in the book, I do a Bible study. I do a couple of Bible studies a week, but one of them is primarily with primarily with healthcare professionals. And one night, one of the guys came in and he said, I need to tell you all something. He said, I was in the hospital making rounds today. He was a surgeon. And he said, I stepped into the hall and a man stopped me and said, my mother's in the room across the way and you operated on her 20 years ago. Would you speak to her? And he said, sure. And he stepped into the room and he said, when he saw the woman, he re immediately remembered her story. He had been pulling ER call the night she came in and she came in. She'd been stabbed in the heart. This was 20 years earlier. And he'd done an emergency procedure and had managed to repair the heart damage. The woman obviously survived. And now 20 years later, she's back in the hospital with another unrelated illness. And he's standing in the room with her. And she said, doctor, I just wanted to thank you for what you did for me 20 years ago. You saved my life. You gave me a new future. She said, I'll never forget watching you operate on me. And he said he paused a minute. He wanted to be polite. And he said, you didn't watch me. Your eyes were taped shut. And she said, no, I watched. I remember watching over your shoulder the whole procedure. And he said they had a little conversation around that. And as he walked out of the room, he said, I wonder why she didn't tell me that 20 years ago. And then he looked at the guys in the group I was with, and he said, I know the answer to that. If she had told me 20 years ago, I wouldn't have listened. He said, I was a young, freshly minted, hotshot surgeon. And he said, I thought I could do everything. And if she had told me, if she had given me a faith story 20 years ago, I would have never listened. And he said, in the intervening 20 years, he said, I almost lost everything. He said, my career, it, it, it continued to rise, but I almost lost everything that matters to me until God intervened in my life. And over the last several years, he's had a tremendous transformation. In fact, now he's known for praying with his patients and praying with his old surgical teams pre-op and he said, you know, if only I could have heard that woman 20 years ago, how different my life might have been. And he said, you know, now I'm living a life of faith that affects how I practice, how I do my family, how I interact with my children. But that woman's story and her faith story prompted such a, and I mean, he told this group of guys, it's not easy to be transparent in a room full of your peers. And that day with tears in his eyes and his voice choked, with emotion. You know, he said, my heart was so hard and I was so in, enmeshed in the world. I couldn't have heard what she said. And kind of on the other end of the spectrum, one of the things we've encouraged people in the church to do, we gave them for Father's Day, we gave the fathers little tins of anointing oil and talked to them about how they could pray for their kids. 
And one of the guys in the group, he's a vascular surgeon. And, you know, he said uh, he take his assignments to take his two kids to, to school in the morning. They're early elementary age. He said, I'm in the habit of while I'm driving to school and fighting the traffic. He said, I reach over the seat and I, I put my hand on their head and I pray for them. And he said, one day we got to school and been a busy drive. And he said, I'm, I'm getting ready to pull out of the school. And there's somebody knocking on my window. And I look over and it's my little boy. And he said, Dad, you didn't anoint me this morning. Will you anoint me before I go in? Wow. And to, to watch these folks begin to put simple expressions of faith into routine of their lives and then tell you the stories weeks later, how it's begun to bring transformation into their families and how they interact with one another, how they do business. God's not beyond us. He's as close as our breath. We just have to intend to invite him into our lives. And you mentioned that earlier. We don't want to come out of this season. I don't want my faith votes to come out of this season and regain the momentum you had 60 days ago. We want to come out of this energized for a whole new season. I want to see my faith votes impact in our nation, be exponentially greater than it's ever been before. People awaken to the necessity of our faith impacting this season. No politician's going to fix us. There's no political party that's going to fix us. We have to have a change in the hearts of people who live on Main Street so that all of us understand my faith votes. I, I hope you're just a catalyst for something that completely overwhelms you and your staff. I, I would enjoy watching that in the next few weeks, Jason. <laughs> we are being overwhelmed, and I think some of that is being answered. But that is why I love this invitation. Walk down this 100-day road with us. And yes. um, let's be challenged. Let's look at what our faith 2.0 could look like Um and and uh, with our families, uh, you know, with our communities, um, with our government, uh, all kinds of opportunities for us to do good. I, I talk a lot about Galatians six ten. It says, "As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, but especially those of the faith." And these are opportunities for us to look and and recognize where those opportunities are, and then intend to do them. And we know there's benefit. There's benefit for everyone. There's, there's common good um, in what we do, but there's also very specific benefit and reward for those of the faith. And that's why Amen. I really love this opportunity. So, um, Alan, we are at our time. This has been uh, already about a half an hour uh, and that's what I committed to you to do um, with us. I would really appreciate it if you could spend a little, um, just a couple minutes and, and pray for us, pray for those who are watching and for our nation right now. Um, I'd be honored, Jason. And if you're not praying every day for Jason and his team, start. Come make this 100-day journey with us together. We'll come out stronger in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this season. I thank you that you love us enough to discipline us, that you have you have in love, Father, captured our attention, and we choose to turn our faces to you in humility. We ask for your mercy upon us. You have blessed our nation. You have caused us to prosper. We've known liberty and freedom, and on our arrogance, we've imagined that we have caused it. Father, forgive us. We turn to you and ask for mercy today. I pray that you'll heal those who are sick. Give those who are serving and caring for the sick wisdom far beyond themselves. Lord, bring, bring forth a solution. Turn back this virus, not only in our nation, but throughout the earth. But more than that, we ask that you would awaken your people. Forgive us, Father. We have chosen comfort and convenience so frequently that we've often forgotten you. And we choose you today. Lord Jesus, be Lord of our lives, Lord of our homes, Lord of how we work, Lord of how we conduct ourselves in relationships. We want to honor you in all that we are and all that we do. We trust you to restore us once again. 
May we stand in a way that is honoring to you and enables you to say, well done. We thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Alan, Jason, thank so you for much. what you're doing. I don't know about you, but I greatly benefit every time I listen to Pastor Alan Jackson. And that's why I hope you'll accept our invitation to join us for 100 Days of Faith. When you do, you'll receive a daily email from Pastor Allen for the next 100 days, many of them with a short video, giving you insightful tips and encouragement to live intentionally in your faith. Go to myfaithvotes.org, that's myfaithvotes.org, to sign up and learn more. Thanks for joining us today.